0: It's summer! For me, that means more work. But thankfully, this is your first full week off. And it's a pretty exciting time, even with some restrictions in place. This summer, it feels like we have more possibilities, more things that we can do, outside in particular. How many times have you been told by your mum and dad to go out and get some fresh air? Today, we looked at exactly how fresh that air is. This past school year has seen more initiatives than ever, encouraging us to get out on our bikes and cycle. Students and parents across the country, often with the support of local authorities, have been setting up cycling buses. Large groups hopping on their bikes to get to school en masse, which is amazing. But what's it like to do that on our busy streets?
1: You do My it. name's Lou and I'm five and I live in Dublin. I go to school in the city centre. I cycle there. I go my mom's bike on all the other days except for Wednesday and Friday.
2: My name's Karen, and I'm Lou's mom, and I cycle to school with him. I work in the environmental sector, and cycling and active mobility and a livable city and certainly clean air are really important to me. And I also just love cycling. I grew up in the suburbs in America, and we drove... Everywhere, and there was, I think, a bus that may have gone into the city, but it wasn't part of our lives. Public transport just wasn't something that we did or that was really available to us. Although we did cycle to school and we walked to school, but we had a very car centric culture which is still the case and it certainly is the case here as well for a lot of families for us we don't have a car we live in dublin in town so we've never really needed one we get around just fine it's actually kind of fun to cycle into school we cycle through the north inner city where the footpaths are really wide
1: i cycle on the path so nobody runs me over
2: I wish there was a safe cycle path for him to cycle on, but there isn't. The road is too narrow and it's way too dangerous. The most stressful bit is actually when the green man comes, and then I still have to give it 10 seconds to make sure that um, we don't get mowed down by someone running a a, a light. But he has a great time on the path. He feels really free. A lot of times he does one hand or no hand cycling, and he's really conscious of pedestrians, obviously. like He's allowed to be on the path, but he can't really go fast. We walk around pedestrians a lot. He's still pretty small, you know, cycling along, and, and everybody gives him a lot space too.
0: Karen and Lou aren't the only people we spoke about making the trip to school on a bike.
2: My name is Kitty. I'm six years old. I live in
1: Malahide in Dublin and I cycle to school. My name is Lucy. I am eight years old and I cycle to school. I cycle through the castle and the village. I clean everywhere I want to go. It feels fun and fast and I really like it. I like it to be more cycle paths and less people driving and more people cycling so it can be better for the environment. When you go on the path, people are there and you don't want to get in their way, so you have to go slow. But if you go on the road, there's loads of cars everywhere. You could get hit if you do anything wrong. Because of the cars, the air is getting bad and people are getting sick because of it.
0: We've all become much more used to wearing masks, into shops and even on the street. They are there to help protect us from COVID. But most of the vehicles on our road, powered by fossil fuels, mean that cyclists still wear them pedalling too. In 1915, there were 9,850 cars on Irish roads. In 1995, there were just under a million. In 2019, research showed that there are well over two million personal cars on our streets. Car ownership has more than doubled in about 20 years, and along with it, the emissions created by them. I guess if we are to learn more about the air that we breathe, we should ask an expert.
3: So my name is Paul McNally. I am a a respiratory doctor. I work in Children's Health Ireland, and that's the hospital now that's taken over from Crumlin, Temple Street, and Talla, and they're the, the three children's hospitals in Dublin. The other thing that I do is I work with RCSI, and that's a university of medicine and health sciences. And in my work there, I teach medical students
0: Respiratory medicine, what's involved in that? We deal with a
3: huge spectrum of different uh, conditions from the most kind of simple and straightforward like recurring or troublesome respiratory infection or asthma to much more complicated diseases like uh, cystic fibrosis. Everything from a premature or a very small baby up into an adult. And it's anything from simple, straightforward conditions to very kind of complex conditions that impact on the way kids live their life.
0: Can you explain what happens when I breathe in?
3: The way I like to think about it sometimes is, it's like our bodies are like a car. We need fuel to make us go. And then we have exhaust fumes as well that we need to get rid of. So the fuel that makes our body work is oxygen. And every single part of your whole body needs oxygen. And if it doesn't get oxygen, it dies. The way that we get oxygen into our body to help all of our cells and every part of our body to work is through our lungs. So it has to get through a whole series of tubes to get down to where the oxygen gets in. So they're called the airways. And then very, very deep in the lungs are what's called the alveoli and the alveoli are where the oxygen gets into the body. So the fuel that we use to breathe is oxygen and then the exhaust product or the the unwanted product then is the carbon dioxide. So we have to get oxygen in and then get rid of the carbon dioxide. So all of that happens in the little alveoli or the, the working cells in the lungs. And the airways do a very clever job of getting just the right amount of air in and then getting it back out again to let go of the carbon dioxide. So your lungs are a very, very complex uh, organism that's directly in contact with
0: the environment. And how does air quality impact how our bodies work?
3: Any animal species, if we weren't tough enough, would become extinct pretty quickly. So our bodies are designed to take a little bit of abuse. Like if you fall out of a tree, you might break one or two bones, and you know, they can heal themselves. The same is true of breathing bad quality air. I always like to bring it back to caveman days because that's what we were evolved for, is living in the wild. And if there was a fire or if there was a load of dust and you breathed it in, if it happened once off, you'd be fine. You'd be able to manage it. You'd become a little bit chesty. You'd be able to cough the stuff out after a little while. And if you weren't exposed then after that, your body could get back to normal and heal itself. But the big problem I suppose with air quality and air pollution is repeated exposure to bad quality air or bad quality air all of the time. There's some very interesting studies done, for example, in places like Australia or California where they have a lot of wildfires. It just happens very quickly. There's an awful lot of smoke in the air and then it clears up again. And what doctors have found in looking at those episodes is that immediately after that a whole load of people get admitted to hospital with breathing problems. So people for example who have asthma already would uh, obviously be very susceptible to that and, and a lot of people with asthma would end up being sick or being admitted to hospital afterwards. And the same is true of respiratory infections the pollution that's in the air, it can really irritate your lungs and cause a lot of problems so that it's more likely that you'll get sick if you get an infection afterwards. So I think we've seen over time that air pollution is really quite harmful uh, for people's lungs. There's a whole lot of things that we can't see that are floating around in the air all the time. Some of them are produced by nature and they would be the pollen and spores and little bits of particulate matter. And then there's things that are abnormal or foreign and they're produced by industry. Things like exhaust fumes from cars, from fires, from burning wood and coal. Toxic things that are produced by factories. So we breathe all this stuff in all the time. And so for every breath you probably are breathing in millions of teeny particles of things that aren't um, just normal gases. If they're present in small quantities, we can usually manage them quite well. It's when they get in large quantities or they're there all the time and we don't get a break from them, that's when we start seeing problems.
0: The pollution that's in the air is made up of carbon dioxide, methane, and many other things, predominantly derived from the burning of fossil fuels. Currently, the levels of CO2 in the air have been measured at 420 parts per million. That is higher than they have been for millions of years. And this is a problem for so many reasons. The more carbon dioxide trapped in our atmosphere, the warmer the planet becomes. The more polluted are water and air. To try and slow global warming and limit the global heating to 1.5 degrees centigrade, we need to cut all emissions by at least 45% this decade.
1: Evolution.
0: There are many ways that carbon dioxide is produced, but one of them is definitely by trucks and cars on our roads. And the person who knows more about that than almost any other is
4: Bob Flavin. So for the last over a decade now, I've been reviewing essentially every car there is on the Irish road car companies, give me the car, I give my opinion on it, I give the car back and I get a different car. It sounds like an ideal job, but actually you kind of change your car so often you have to carry everything in a bag with you. You can't put something in the door of a car, it's, it's gone, it's forgotten about. But in amongst all that, I get to sit down and talk with engineers, I get to sit and talk with design technicians, the chief of design from various car companies, the people in charge of the marketing departments. You get to talk and, and understand these people and they give you press releases and it's your job to figure out where the industry is going. It's not just the industry, but it's my job to kind of digest everything that happens within the transport industry, as well as just cars.
0: Why are we obsessed with cars?
4: Ireland's had a love-hate relationship with cars. And the obsession comes from a freedom. We want to be free. We want to go anywhere we want to go in the country at any time of the day or night. That's number one. That's, that's the reason I drive. The other part of the obsession with cars is we've never really had a decent public transport system that properly connects up the country in a way that's useful to us. So we rely back on personal transport. Personal transport is either bicycle or a car or a motorbike. So you're either going to be motorized or you're going to have to pedal yourself. We'd never had a good connected system here. So we continue to rely on the love of the
0: car. I personally cycle a lot and will continue to do so. But like a lot of people my age, I'd like to be able to drive a car someday. However, I want to do this responsibly and drive electric. So how are electric vehicles better? There's a lot of buzz around lowering our carbon footprint. As we know, a source of these gases are released from cars and vehicles and electric vehicles are a way of cutting these emissions. Well, what's the deal with them? How are they evolving to the situation?
4: So electric cars run on zero emissions. The idea is that while the car is driving, there's no tailpipe. There's no CO2 emissions. There's no emissions coming off the car itself. Now, the emissions, some will tell you, has been moved on to the power station. But as we get cleaner with our power stations and our wind generation facilities, we start to generate zero carbon emission fuel for these electric cars. So anything that burns create carbon. So the idea of lowering your carbon footprint overall is done immediately on the street rather than trying to offset it later on by buying carbon credits or something. It's actually happening straight away on the street.
0: I know that there are some issues that we still have to overcome in relation to these cars, the range and charging problems, like how long it takes to charge. Is this improving and how are cars and companies adapting to these problems?
4: Electric cars are fascinating because they've moved very, very quickly. So the first electric car in the road was like the Nissan Leaf. It was around 2010. So we're really only talking about a 10-year space we've had here. And in the last two years, cars have become so good that you could just get into a car in Dublin and drive to Cork and probably drive back as well without having to charge some of them, particularly when you go to the top end like Tesla or Volkswagen ID three or those kind of cars or even the Kia Soul. But if you start looking at the way we've done this, We've done it so quickly that we've left some people behind. So we're trying to drag people along now to understand you can go far in electric cars. The infrastructure is still a problem when you want to go and charge on the street somewhere. When you want to do something away from your home or away from your normal range is where you start to interact with the infrastructure part of it. And that means you have to find a charge point, you have to plug it in, you have to press the buttons and download the app or set up the account. And that's the biggest problem. With companies though, companies are, are adapting this very, very quickly. There's a company called EV, box from holland which operate here in ireland as well they're creating a fob system so you have a little fob in your hand you can use it at home to charge your car but you can use that same fob on any other ev box in the country and it'll charge back to your house first so no need to set up any new uh, applications or anything else and then of course bank cards just ordinary everyday tap and go bank cards or apple pay or those kind of things they're coming through for, for public charge points as well but it's just taking a long time as we're looking at big multinational companies moving very slowly but we have these lovely people sitting at home who are ready for it right now so there is an interest
0: in electric cars out there but whether the car is electric or otherwise they're going to be sharing the road with people who've adapted to a new means of transport cycling and electric scooter usage has increased massively in the past year including me i have a bike and an electric scooter and this blend of personal transportation isn't an easy one at the moment
2: It's really frustrating to be a cyclist in Dublin when you look at the basic infrastructure. Like, to me, painted lines on a road are not going to keep me safe. What's going to keep me safe is strategic planning to protect cyclists and to put physical barriers in between me and, you know, multi-ton vehicles.
1: I think they're annoying because they take a bother room and they're loud. They are very sweaty.
2: I think the the scariest thing about having a child on a bike is the close contact that we have with cars and buses on a regular basis, particularly buses in terms of sharing bike lanes. So it's really unfortunate that even though I know there's new cycle lanes all around town and that's wonderful and certainly we've seen during the pandemic how we can adapt really quickly and bring all these new measures in. But in a lot of cases they just end or sometimes you're sharing that space with a bus which, I mean, all credit to Dublin bus drivers, they're looking for me and i appreciate that because it's not easy it's they don't have an easy job to do but to share that space and it's a small space with such a big vehicle is you, you know we're really vulnerable and exposed and the message that a lot of time comes down is to wear a helmet and wear high is, and i do that but i do that mainly so that if anything happens i'm not blamed for my own demise or injuries and and that's unfortunate
0: Apart from emissions, the sheer weight of a car when compared to that of a person on the bike is vast, and that's not getting better. Discussing type of cars, hybrid or otherwise, there's been an insane increase in the ownership of SUVs over the past five years. They're being sold with an illusion of safety and security, however, larger vehicles can offer an increased threat to other road users. Could you speak a bit about the increasing size of
4: cars? The size of a car has increased massively since they we were first invented. Look at the Mark One Volkswagen Golf versus the Mark Eight Volkswagen Golf. Mark One was two and a half meters, three meters long. Mark Eight has six meters long, and that's because we've demanded more safety. We've also demanded to be further away from collisions and crashes. So we don't want the engine to be at our knees anymore. We want the engine to be half a meter away from us. So I can understand that part. But what's actually happening now is we've taken those normal cars, like a, a standard kind of small five-door hatchback, and we've lifted them into the air. I made them SUVs. They are much heavier. They're actually much more harmful to the environment too. And in a big sense, the more of these SUVs on a road there is, the less parking spaces we have because you can't park one of these in a single car park space. It becomes one and a half car park spaces. And if you go beyond the SUVs, you start looking at those kind of massive cars that are nearly eight meters long. And the more of that massiveness is on the road, the less room there is for us. Because we do need to share the space. Alan and his son Keen joined the mill every
0: single day. How do we usually cycle the school? What's our cycle to school usually like?
1: I sit on the top at the back. I the trailer bike. Five carpet.
0: And who does all the pedalling? Daddy. What do you like the most about cycling to school on the bike?
1: That I get to be on the front of the because I get to see everything and I get to see a ghost every day. Fast and fun.
0: And do you think it's important for more people to cycle to school?
1: Yes, because it's good for the environment. Cars are loud. And there's saw black smoke coming out of the van. Do you think we could do anything to make cycling to school better? A bump on the cycle track so it's impossible because to get there like today when i was coming home from my test, the road police were parked on the path but that's their own rules they're the road police but they broke the road police rules <laughs> what? why are you farting oh it's the table just broke me up on
0: The reason we wanted to do this episode was not just to talk about cycling and cars, but to really think a bit about the air we breathe, the part we play in making a difference to our own emissions, and what they'll mean for the future, because we need to improve on it. Back to Paul.
3: The way we have to do research on this type of thing to really understand it is to stand way back The Environmental Protection Agency in Ireland and in all other countries regularly measures the quality of the air. And the real way we have of looking at the effect of this is then to look at records from hospitals and GP practices prescribing of treatments for respiratory problems. And if you look at it in the bigger picture, you can see that when the air quality is poor, there's a big upsurge in admissions to hospital, in treatments for things like asthma and respiratory infections. That's been shown in in Ireland, in, in, in every other country. It's repeatedly the same thing. So it gives you a really, really clear pattern of the adverse effects.
0: But you're a kid and you can't be expected to think or worry about this stuff all the time.
2: I don't think about the air that I breathe. One of the big problems is obviously cars and buses and another big problem is burning solid fuels, which is still a problem. It still happens, even though it's, it's not really supposed to. So, you know, everyone's supposed to burn smokeless fuel. And yet last year, I think in December, there were huge smog warnings all around town because the air was so still and cold. For me, air quality is a big problem. And we know asthma is increasing. We know there are increasing respiratory and lung problems. I want my child to breathe clean air. I don't think that that's a huge ask. I think it's something that we should all be looking for as a society. When you hear people who don't care about things like clean air, I don't understand that. I don't see why it's not an issue of concern for everyone, because it affects everyone.
0: Isabella and Evie would agree.
2: Sometimes I worry about the air that you breathe, because when
1: people drive in their cars, a lot of the gas goes up and it hits like the surroundings of the earth. We have an air quality sensor in my back garden. My dad checks the air quality on an app. Sometimes it is quite bad, which worries me. Sometimes when it is cold and people have fires lit in their back gardens, it makes me feel sick.
0: Would you notice that it affects children differently than maybe an adult?
3: air pollution can start to affect children even before they're born. So we know that premature birth increases when there's poor air quality. So if there's a lot of pollution, you're more likely to be born prematurely. So children's lung development is worse when there's a lot of air pollution. And we see this predominantly in low and middle income countries where the actual growth of children's lungs is impaired with pollution. So if you measure their lungs as they get older, if you're exposed to pollution, Consistently, your lungs are smaller and your lung function is worse compared to if you're not. And then I suppose you have your whole life to live with the increased risk of getting further problems from pollution. So it's really quite significant. So it's in
0: all of our interests to change. Whether it be deciding to leave the car at home a few days a week to get public transport, electric scooter or a bike. But are our cities ready for that change?
2: Where we see cities where cycling is part of the fabric of everyday life is where they've really thought through the structural infrastructure that makes cycling so. And it doesn't happen overnight, and I believe in lots of cities where we point to, like Copenhagen and Amsterdam, as wonderful examples. There's so much people on their bikes,
1: not many cars. Read the blue is more like that.
2: I don't think it was an easy transition either. I I believe there were a lot of tensions around giving up that space on streets for bicycles and for pedestrians and for better ways of getting around.
0: The transition might not be easy, but it's totally necessary. And one part of the changes we need to make to embrace a future that offers improved air quality is public transport. Do you think we need to redesign our public transport industry in Ireland?
4: We need to redesign it and we need to reprice it. It needs to be competitive. Public transport should never make a profit. That's not the point of public transport. Public transport in its basic essence should be just getting people from where they live to where they work or where they go to school or for leisure purposes, a different story. But on the working routes, we need to really address how much it costs to use public transport and how many stops and how slow it is. If public transport is more expensive and is slower than private transport, why would you go on a bus? You're really not going to encourage them out. When it comes to public transport, it should be nearly free Just a token amount of money, like they do in somewhere like Vienna, where the public transport, the tram system isn't completely free. Just get on and off as you please, pay it for through general taxes.
0: With more options available, more of us would try a different way of getting to school or work.
2: I think the private car is on its last legs. In 20 years, I hope we're not going to see our streets cluttered with privately owned vehicles. It just seems like such a waste of great space.
0: Some people will say that they still need a car. But do we all need to own that car? In our cities, there are now more opportunities to rent cars on an hourly basis. If less of us filled our driveways with cars, maybe we could convert them into gardens instead. Mini meadows helping pollinators and actually cleaning the air instead of polluting further or taking up space. And the ways we can get cars are changing. Are the days of personal vehicle ownership numbered?
4: Yes, we're changing how we buy vehicles right now. So realistically, a few years back people would have never dreamt of ordering a car online yet tesla they only sell cars online renault was selling cars in france through amazon you could do lots of things that have been kind of bubbling around under the surface now that's a still ownership level but really what we want to achieve is the ability that you just pay a small fee per month volvo decided to roll it out in sweden and poland where you could just paid them a fee per month and you can pick any of the Volvo range to drive. The car is endurance anyway. And I think that's kind of where we're going. And if we feed back into the automated driving systems, the brilliant idea is to pay a monthly fee, open up your app and say, I want a car tomorrow morning and it arrives automatically at your door overnight. When you get up tomorrow morning, the car is sitting there waiting to go for you. And I don't think that's very far away because at nighttime of course traffic is a lot less. So automated cars could kind of drive themselves around at nighttime a bit easier than daytime. The idea of walking out of your
0: house to find a car delivered by itself sounds incredibly futuristic, but it's a lot closer than we think, and we need to change. The past few weeks have seen some soaring temperatures across North America. Canada recorded an all-time high of almost 50 degrees. Every day records are being broken, by degrees instead of fractions. But this is not an exception. This is global warming, caused by human industry. These heat waves are a direct result of the climate crisis and, without rapidly altering course, they will get worse. And though it's largely unreported here, countries in the global south have been feeling the same effects of climate change for years. I find it scary, and I know some of you do too. But all we can do is do our best. Where would you like to see Ireland in 20 years time?
3: We need to reduce the amount of electricity we make by burning things. We need to reduce the amount of things that people burn in their house for fuel and heat. And the third thing is we need to take pollution out of our transportation system. So personal transportation and also mass transportation and delivery. I'd like to see in 20 years time that we don't really produce any electricity from burning uh, fossil fuels. Fields, that because of that electricity is cheaper and easier to use and that will encourage people to use electricity in transport and heating their homes and in all the other things that we currently um, uh, might use fossil fuels for. So I think all of those things are in train it's about keeping up huge amount of pressure to make
0: sure that we're, we're doing them quickly. Are the government and are our politicians
4: working quick enough to meet this change? In essence, no. The urgencies only seem to have happened in the last 12 months, and that's more to do with carbon fines that they're going to get, or credits they have to buy, and money that has to be spent by the government to keep us from getting fined for having too much CO2. That's where the urgencies come from, rather than coming from an actual ecologically sound movement. And that's where we need to change things. We need to demand better, cleaner environments for ourselves, and do it immediately. And it really means getting behind our infrastructure. We should be at the lead of this. We have a small island that can easily. Call with a full electric network but if the support were in place you'd find more of these electric cars on the road and demand would be huge each of us has an opportunity
0: to make a small difference whether that be putting pressure on your elected officials to do better or joining your friends in a cycle to school we can do better
4: but we need to move fast and we can we have to move quickly we really have to shift this on because when the mood hits ireland when we do something we can do it very, very quickly and very professionally. We have really good experts out there who are already working on this and are trying to move it forward, but it's so slow to get investment and in where the money's supposed to go. We need to fix the roads, we need to fix the M50, all these things that take other money, instead of focusing on what we could be doing right now is electrifying our national services.
0: The quicker we move, the quicker we get kids like Lou, Evie, Isabel, Kitty, Lucy, and Kian on the streets, safe mm. and healthy in a world with a more stable future.
1: My favourite thing about having a bike is cycling.
0: Much thanks to Paul, Karen, Bob and all parents and kids who spoke to us for this episode. Let's hope that in the near future, instead of talking about air pollution, we can just get back to the really important things about being on your bike.
1: I'm tackling on a bike. I feel good. I just do. I was four when I ride a bike.
2: I was way later than Lou. He's a natural cyclist.
1: I can just do a wheelie, but I can't really do a a big wheelie because my bike's too heavy. Ecolution.
3: Ecolution was produced by Nikki Coughlin for RTE Junior Radio.